Hello, and welcome to The Feedcast, a monthly podcast created and sponsored by Relay Network. As the feed technology pioneers, Relay Network feeds harness the engagement power of social and news feeds for businesses and the people they serve. I'm your host, Trisha Gabberty, and in The Feedcast, we will hear from cross-industry experts who will share their approach to driving meaningful and powerful customer engagement. In under 30 minutes, you'll gain usable insights and strategies from informative discussions with curated subject matter experts. Today, I'm delighted and excited to be joined by Gautam Palapa, PhD. Dr. Gautam Palapa is the award-winning author of Leading with Empathy, Understanding the Needs of Today's Workforce. He is the founder of Transformity, an organization that transforms humanity through empathy and technology, and is also an executive advisor at VMware. He has over 20 years of experience working with C-suite and executives at Global 2000 Enterprises, helping them to transform their processes, technologies, and cultures to achieve optimal business outcomes. Having almost succumbed to stress early in his career, Dr. Palapa employed the wake-up call to help improve the quality of life for people working across enterprises. His mantra is transform with empathy, and he works passionately to promote empathy for employees, enterprises, and communities. Dr. Palapa, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me, Tricia. It's really great to be here. So empathy, it's a word that we hear frequently and that people sometimes relate to compassion. Can you share with us what your definition of empathy is? Yeah, definitely. This is a great place to start because over the last three years, the word empathy has become such a critical aspect of all our lives, right? We as humans have endured so much adversity in that time that it's become necessary for all of us to truly understand what empathy is. Empathy is actually an umbrella term and there are so many definitions of empathy and One of the common definitions of empathy is the ability to emotionally understand what other people feel, see things from their point of view, and imagine yourself in their place. Uh, So if you look at the umbrella term, what empathy is truly is love and understanding for your fellow human beings. It's reaching out to people and making sure that we're all collectively working together and being happy. In a professional setting, if someone is being empathic, it is the ability to step into someone else's shoes or someone else's roles and look at things from their point of view and truly understand the reasoning behind why uh, action occurred or a decision was taken. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why there are so many definitions of empathy is because all empathy is not created equal. We have three predominant types of empathy. Um, The first one being cognitive empathy, which is the ability to understand what the other person is going or feeling without any emotional connection. So this is a very rational response. And this is where traditional business uh, books or negotiation books talk about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, So sales executives and negotiators use this kind of empathy so that they can relate to the person that they're interacting with, but it's a very rational and intelligent approach. So it's done more on just, as you're saying, from from an intellectual standpoint and understanding, okay, a a salesperson is engaged, they have these kind of challenges and pushback from a prospect, I can understand now what their job is like. Exactly. No emotional connection at that point. There is no emotional connection in that. And it doesn't take a lot of effort for you to project what the other person could be feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the next type of empathy, which is the more common definition and what people think of when they use the word empathy is called emotional empathy, 
this is that ability to share the feelings and have that deeper understanding with people. And it creates a genuine connection between two humans. It truly affects the way one feels. So if you are having emotional empathy for someone, you will feel that pain if so, that someone else is going through. Uh, a good example that I give is uh, team leadership in high-performing teams. Like everyone within that high-performing team will have emotional empathy because they, what one person is going through on that team will affect the others. Mm -hmm. And it can be extremely exhausting and overwhelming because you're having that emotional connection, that genuine connection with another human. So, so you're feeling the stress that they're feeling or perhaps yeah. they're setting the tone, right? So if they're feeling pressure, if they're feeling not heard, you're, is, it, is it acute enough to know that I can understand what they're feeling or is it just really a sense of they're feeling something that doesn't feel good? It can be both. It usually starts with a sense of understanding that, yes, there is something going on and they can feel that something is off or, mm -hmm. you know, something is going wrong or there's some pain that someone's uh, feeling and expressing. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, as you start working more and you really understand those nonverbal cues that we as humans demonstrate, that's when you start really understanding and having that deeper connection. And Now you said there were three? Yeah. So the third one, and this is where I lean towards, is called compassionate empathy. And this is the ability not only to have emotional empathy and not just be concerned and emotional, that, uh, experience that emotional pain, but to take practical actions to reduce that pain. And that's compassionate empathy. It's one of the most active forms of empathy. And this is really, really important because we as humans have been suffering over the last 35 months. It's almost going to be three years now, if you can imagine mm -hmm. it. Um, and there's so much of adversity and people have been going through a lot of stress and anxiety and pain and suffering. And so it's not just about feeling what the other person is feeling, but then doing something about it. Uh, the, the other example that I like to give is mentoring. Compassionate empathy is really predominant with a good mentor and a mentee because mm -hmm. mentor and the mentee will establish that emotional relationship, that connection and that empathy, but then they work together to identify practical approaches to eliminate the pain or reduce the pain that the mentee is going through. These are the three kinds of empathy. You have cognitive empathy, you have emotional empathy, and you have compassionate empathy. You know, you've written and spoken tirelessly about empathy and, and, and you're talking now about how critical it is in the workplace. And is there a correlation between the prevalence of the empathy inside the organization and how it impacts the, the empathy that exists in an organization's relationships with its customers and its clients? In other words, does the empathy that you're talking about that you instill internally carry out to the, to the relationships you then form as you go to acquire, retain members, customers? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of companies that start off with customer empathy do a really good job of approaching the problems that customers are facing and they try to improve on it. So these kinds of companies, for them, they are all about customer obsession, for example, or customer centricity is something um, that they talk about. And those organizations do a really good job of being empathic to the pain of 
the customers and what they're going through and try to make them at the center of everything and every activity that they perform. And so they infuse compassionate empathy within their culture. So if you look at it and, and take a step back, for any organization, the most important reason why they exist Keeping aside the reason that they're there is to make money and they want to make their shareholders more profitable and all the stakeholders happy and all that. Let's keep all that aside. Mm -hmm. But the true reason, the purpose why an organization exists is to reduce some form of pain. Correct. They have some sort of offer, some sort of service or product that is designed to make your life easier or better in some way. Yes. Right. It's Mm -hmm. all about reducing the pain. And the thing is, the pain can either be to the extrinsic customer or the user that is going to consume all these new features or products or services that are being offered, or it could be intrinsic within a workforce in order to optimize or transform the way that value is being created within the organization. So the reason why I say that we need to focus a lot on reducing the pain is because it is not only without, but it's also within. We need to focus both inward and outward. And so if we start focusing on empathy throughout and look at the the customer-centric approach and also a workforce-centric approach, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create trust and respect not only Mm -hmm. within ourselves, within the organization, but also to the customers or to the users who are consuming our products and services and features. So do you start from the inside out or do you, because I have worked for countless organizations and it's always sort of amazed me um, through my hundred year career that, you know, a lot of these organizations I'll walk in and within six months, you know, we're going to be a customer focused company. And I always think, well, weren't you that from the beginning? Like, where did they lose sight of that? And perhaps they did start out with that value proposition and it got lost along the way as they grew or as leadership changed, et cetera. And some of them got it very right. And some of them are still trying to figure it out. So is it important then, do you start with the blueprint from the outside in saying, this is the pain we're trying to alleviate for our customers. So, you know, knowing that we need our personalities inside to kind of behave in this way and a culture to kind of come or, to come together in this flavor in order to deliver that type of external empathy? Yeah, so my perspective is that any organization needs to truly understand its why, its purpose, right? Why exactly do we exist as an organization? What uh, So what value are we providing to the world? That's always more often than not going to start with something external, like it's a customer, so it's going to be customer-centric. Now, a lot of organizations do that, and it's there in their mission and their vision statements and all those things, but then those are aspirational statements, and we need to break it down into what that actually means. Like, what outcomes are we trying to achieve to drive and meet whatever the aspiration is or whatever the mission or, or the purpose is. Yeah, we have so many mature and, and, and legacy companies out there. It, 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 you know, it almost feels like, okay, this is great if we're setting up a you know a startup or a mid-sized company and we're going to adopt this, this amazing um, empathic culture, right? And we're going to get everyone on board and we're going to understand what it looks and tastes and feels like to have an empathic culture to then deliver that to our customers um, and that is 
yes, the money is the byproduct. And if we do this right, though, there may be lots of money, right? But mm-hmm. is it possible for some of these legacy companies, some of these more massive companies, significantly sized companies to achieve a, a culture of empathy um, without it taking an 18 month roadmap and, you know, people move and change and leadership goes and, you know, reorgs happen. And how does a, a mature company go through instilling this? That's, that's a great segue to the next point that I was actually going to make, um, which is that once we identify what are the outcomes, because almost every company, be it a legacy company, be it a new startup, whatever, they have they, they need to understand the purpose, they need to understand the outcomes and wh- what the definition of success means. Once they do that, the next question that every company needs to ask, and I think this is where we probably have so much of divergence, is they need to understand how can they deliver value quicker and get to that? So starting from ideation all the way up to consumption, like how do I push business value throughout the organization? And how can I reduce the friction in my value stream is going to be the most important step after that. And mm-hmm. especially more if you are a heritage or a legacy company, because you have things already put in place. You have processes, you have rules, you have um, approaches, and you have habits that the organization has already picked up. And now you have to make changes or sometimes you just have to transform it. You have to abandon what they're currently doing and radically change the way that you deliver value quicker. Because our goal, and remember, it's all about reducing the pain, right? And this is where workforce empathy comes in. You want to reduce the pain that people are going through to create the value or to achieve those outcomes. And so you want to find ways and improve the processes and optimize them to deliver the value quicker and reduce that friction in the value stream. So I'm following everything you're saying. I think it's awesome. Right. So I know what I'm, how, how I want to be perceived by the market and by my, my customers. I want to buy, you know, hopefully attract new customers. I know what we're doing to reduce the pain. I now have to look inside the organization to see, you know, is there pain or friction internally that would prohibit my team from delivering on that, yes. on that purpose? Um, does it have to be? a huge investment, you know, there's technologies, there's all those things, as you're saying, you know, some, I I think if I'm following you correctly, abandon some of the ways, but not necessarily the tools, right? I don't know that we have to start from scratch. It's really just a more is, can it be, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is it more of a mind shift within an organization versus, oh no, now we have to get new software and train everybody on how to talk to people. Yeah, that's, that's a great question because, Many people, by default, start assuming that technology or software is going to solve all the problems and it's going to be the panacea. But technology in itself does not create value. The only thing technology does is it acts as an accelerator towards the outcome that you are targeting it towards, be it a good outcome or being, be it to an to a unexpected, mm-hmm. uh, unexpected outcome. So people are truly the the real value creators within an organization. So that's why we need to start with understanding where the pain points are and how they can reduce the friction within the value stream. I just want to move the conversation a little bit more 
outside. So you have these um, you have these now empathic leaders. Hopefully, the um, the team is is thinking and following along those same behaviors. How do we how do we instill even in that first touch? I'm thinking of the first touch, that first interaction with a new customer, or we're re-engaging with a customer who's been dormant for a while. How, how, how do we make sure that through that onboarding phase, that getting to know you phase of a new customer, that the empathy factor is there? I would say that there are a couple of questions that you want to start with to truly understand what we are trying to shoot towards, right? So like we talked a little while back, the goal is to identify what pain we're trying to reduce. That is going to be the most important question to ask when you're having the first conversation with the customers. What pain are we trying to reduce or eliminate? That is the most important thing. How are we improving human quality of life is going to be the next thing. So we can have as many features and services and and uh, all the nice things that are gold-plated and it might be a very slick product or an experience or, or a service that we are providing to a customer. But the question is, so what? So asking the questions of what pain we are trying to reduce or eliminate will really help us guide towards it and our knee-jerk reaction should not be, oh, here's a new cool technology. Let's roll that out and implement it, and then the world's going to be a much better place. It's truly about understanding the value stream altogether and then approaching it with customer empathy and seeing how to improve upon it. But speaking about that human touch, there was a recent Wall Street Journal article entitled How to Get People to Trust AI Predictions. And it referenced a new affliction called algorithm aversion, in which consumers prefer to consult someone real versus the everyday chatbot. Um, in this age of data overload, AI algorithms, how can companies maintain and exude that empathy while still utilizing those tools to engage with their customers? People use AI in such a broad way um, that it's really hard to quantify. So let me try to break it down and explain um, this as best as I can and give my perspective about it. I firmly believe that um, any AI system uh, or machine learning algorithm is only as good as the people and the data sets that they consume and uh, that are being used. And there are so many studies that have shown that, you know, biases can leak into algorithms and you can skew results. Like you have confirmation bias, you have unconscious bias, you have so many other biases that come in and it can skew the way that we interact. Now, algorithm bias is something real and, and this is something that we see uh, in, in multiple places because if you've ever tried to call a contact center, like one of those 800 numbers or, or whatever at the back of your credit card or something, you want to try your level best to actually talk to a person because you don't trust the system that is there. Though there is a lot of sophistication and um, a lot of self-service that is built into every contact center. The goal is to try to help the human self-service themselves and complete things without actually going to uh, actual human. But consider the fact that the person who's calling in, I mean, just let, let's take you and me. I don't think we would ever 
have called a 1-800 number when we were in a happy state of mind. We were probably triggered by something and some event occurred, and so we need to get resolution from it. And so we're already in a non-conducive state, and we go through all these prompts, which starts annoying us even more, and we're like, I don't want to trust the system because I don't know if it can resolve mm -hmm. things for me. I need to go to a human. And that's where you have that, um, you know, the, the algorithm aversion. We don't want to talk to the system. We want to talk to a human because if something goes wrong, we can blame that human, even if that human has nothing to do with it. We can point it to something tangible and not something abstract. And that's where all these complexity comes in. I think how we can improve upon it or the way in which we can slowly make people feel comfortable is by having systems focus on some things and have humans for things where people are already having adversity or stress or anxious or they need to have um, some kind of a response or a human connection. So. I call it as focusing on mm -hmm. uh, high-value activities. So we as humans need to have systems focus on mundane things like checking your balance or checking if, you have, if your reservation is still up to date. Some mundane things like those, you don't need a human for it. And a lot of uh, contact center solutions do that very well. But if it is something critical like it is a healthcare issue, or it is a payment issue, or it is something that requires human touch and makes the uh, and requires the human to be heard. I think we do need to still have uh, humans interact with them, and so we focus on high value activities and have systems focus on low value activities will actually help us embrace machine learning algorithms and AI systems and predictive analytics and all that much better. So is it better for um, for brands to, you know, upfront say, hi, this is, you know, I'm Bob, your, your chatbot, or I am, you know, Andrea, your um, virtual assistant, I can help you with a few things, but if I can't understand you, I'll pass you through. So I think that, is that what you're alluding to in terms of, you know, at least they know that maybe they can help me and it's a little bit of a do it, you know, yes. DIY or eventually, you know, when, when I, when no, yeah. you can't help me, I know that there's going to be a human voice at the end of this transaction. That is exactly what my perspective is. I think we need to be much more genuine and authentic and be upfront about what a human who is interacting with the system can expect. So if it is something simple, you can you can do something, uh, and some chatbots do this really well, where they give a list of the things and say, "Hey, here are some things. Click on the one that you are, you know, trying to communicate with us about or contacting us about, and I will try to give you the answer. But if not, just click on this link, and I will connect you to a human." And that immediately reduces the level and it increases trust for the system with humans because for us, mm -hmm. everything is about trust. Right? And and once we start building that trust and that rapport with people, it feels so much different. It's like, okay, you are trying to help me with self-service, but these unfortunately are not what I need. I can help, I need help in some other realm. And then there is much more predictive analytics that comes in. You get more data to understand what patterns people are contacting you about. Having that human touch and 
understanding where the person is coming from and context really, really will help us embrace these systems and chatbots and ML algorithms in my mind. Yeah, and I think in, to your point, cutting straight to the chase, recognizing my pain, recognizing the friction, it immediately sort of um, it begins that empathy, right? And that trust, as you said, the trust, and I, and I hear you, it I truly think trust does. and the empathy go hand in hand and, and, and trust is something that, you know, is, is sort of a, a you know, a, a lean these days, um, you know, with, with various institutions and entities. And, and so I think that you're right. I think if you're leading with trust and the empathy is just, it just follows, it's there. Yeah, it is. And and it's it's really intuitive. And we actually do this in a non-professional setting for the most part as humans, right? We are extremely sensitive. We are empathic. Uh, we try to understand the context and the situation that someone's in. And we try to help or have that compassionate empathy. But for some reason, when we go into the professional realm, we tend to forget all that and approach things in a very different, non-realistic way. And so I think for, for sure, in order to ensure that we are consistently approaching things in this way to have campaigns and so on that are much more human-centric, mm -hmm. we need to make it part of our culture. I think that authenticity, to your point, is very valuable. It did weave its way through this conversation, especially when we touched upon the notion of trust, because authenticity, obviously, is a foundational cornerstone of building trust. As we wrap up here, I just want to be sure that I've captured all of the great nuggets that you've given us here today. The first is that organizations need to remember their why. They need to reconnect to what their purpose is, what friction or pain they're trying to alleviate, what convenience they're trying to provide, and understanding how that will help improve people's lives. They need to remember that technology while valuable, it's additive and it's not the end all and be all, that people are truly the value drivers. The people inside of an organization need to be given not only the right tools, but they also need to have the right leadership styles, empathic leadership styles leading them in order for that empathy to be present in customer engagement. So the empathy needs to be instilled internally in an organization in order for that empathic touch to be given to any of the, the customers. Lastly, we need to be sure that we're focusing on high value activities. So when we're using or employing tools such as AI or any other tech tools, we want to be sure that we are really focused on the high value activities to be sure that our customers are feeling a sense of being heard and being served. Is there anything else, Gautam, that you would like to add or touch upon before we close? I think what we all would need to acknowledge, and I'll probably end with this, is that we as humans have really evolved over the last 35 months. And we truly want to introspect and understand how we have evolved and how people around us have, have evolved as well. I am so happy that we have evolved and we are starting to talk about not just customer empathy, but workforce empathy. And we're talking about value-centric approaches and all those various things. So it's a fantastic time to be in a situation where you can actually lead with empathy today. Well, thank you very much, Ghanem. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today. And on behalf of our sponsors at Relay Network and myself, 
truly appreciate you taking the time to not only share your insights, but really give us a lot to think about when it comes to leading with empathy and incorporating empathy into our strategies and tactics around customer engagement. So thanks for joining our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of The Feedcast, created and produced by Relay Network. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and give Relay Network a follow on LinkedIn. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Relay Network, nor should they be taken as legal advice. We recommend consulting your own legal team when considering your customer engagement strategy and practices.